Hey everybody, this is Warren Sharp, NFL analyst over at Sharp Football Analysis. I want to welcome you to the Ringer Gambling Show. Join me on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays each week during the NFL season with guests Chris Vernon, Ben Solak, and Joe House to guide you through the NFL betting landscape. We'll be talking spreads, game totals, parlays, player props, futures, and much, much more. Be sure to follow the Ringer Gambling Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The MLB season is in full swing, and you can step up to the plate with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, Bet the live same-game parlays for every MLB game and track your game and bets live with box scores and play-by-play. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21+, plus, 18+, plus in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem, call 100 Gambler, or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. All righty, let's roll, baby. Welcome in. Happy Friday, one and all. It's New York, New York with yours truly, JJ Johnson-Stremski, right here on the Ringer Podcast Network. And got to admit, waking up this morning, and I hope everybody in the New York area, everybody within the tri-state area, survived these insane storms that we had 24 hours ago. I was telling the fellas that because of my situation, moving between apartments, not having my new spot to where it needs to be, I'm basically doing my show out of my parents' place. The parents' little den here has become my at-home studio for the foreseeable future, so I'm back commuting. It's the first time since like pre-COVID I'm back commuting. If I had a drive yesterday, we wouldn't have had a podcast. I basically would have been doing a green room from bumper to bumper traffic on the flooded Staten Island Expressway. So thankfully, we didn't have to worry about that. But I hope everybody's safe. Hope everybody's houses and apartments are okay and where they need to be. And we're New Yorkers. We're tough. We find a way to get through adversity and struggles and bad weather and all that sort of stuff. So thinking of everybody out there first and foremost. Now, woke up today. And I mentioned all the events of the last 24 hours because it was beautiful. It wasn't sizzling hot. It felt like there was a chill in the air in the morning when I was going for my morning walk of coffee to go get Starbucks. And that's when it hit me. Oh, baby, we are one week away from the start of the NFL season. And there's going to be a lot of football on this show. Peter King's going to join us in a little bit. We got our first edition of College Football Beaks, which we will unveil. A couple of games I like over the course of this weekend. But like when you get that sort of weather where it's in the low to mid-70s, 
picture perfect during the day, a little bit chilly at night. It's yet another reminder that football season is upon us. And if that doesn't make you giddy, if that doesn't fire you up, I don't know what to tell you. There's probably no hope for you. And uh, I'll leave it at that. So I'm feeling some good vibes right out of the gate. You know who else is actually probably feeling good vibes right about now? And it's so weird that I'm saying this because five days ago was basically the lowest of lows for Mets fans in 2021 with the Lindor, Baez, thumbs down nonsense. And the fans turning on players, the players sounding like idiots when they're apologizing, like just a total shit show every which way. Since that point in time, though, Strange thing has happened with the New York Mets. They've won a whole lot of baseball games. The Mets took care of business against the Nationals. They go and proceed to take the momentum of that great comeback on Tuesday. They sweep the Miami Marlins. They get a good start from Carrasco. They take advantage of some porous Marlins defense. Aguilar touching a Dom Smith ball that would have been foul. He... Touches it, ends up being a go-ahead game-winning double. Met bullpen does a fabulous job. And the Atlanta Braves are taking on the Los Angeles Dodgers over the last three days. So it enabled and it allowed the Mets to get back in the National League East race. We talked about this with Nelson Figueroa just a couple of days ago. They were going to get back in this race because of the schedule that was in front of them. The Marlins... And the Nationals are dreadful, dreadful baseball teams. So now, as you get ready for the month of September and you get ready for this weekend against the Washington Nationals, guess what? The Mets will be playing in meaningful games. The Braves can't get out of their own way. They've allowed the Phillies to get within one and a half games, basically, for goodness sakes. And the Mets are four and a half back. Am I advising the Mets fan to be above and beyond giddy? No, but they have absolutely suckered you back into the point where Labor Day weekend rolls around. You got a reason to watch. A week ago, full disclosure, I wasn't necessarily sure that was going to be the case. When the Mets were down four runs against the Marlins, did I see them winning that game and sweeping this series and getting to within four and a half in first place? Absolutely not. It just goes to show you, and we've learned this now, especially in this crazy 2021 season, the narratives, the feelings, the emotions of how you feel about your baseball team, it is the ultimate roller coaster ride. And I'm not talking one of those baby coasters. I'm talking about one of those big, bad King Dakar type of coasters. When you can get to the highest of highs, you also can sink to the lowest of lows. You've seen it with both the Mets and the Yankees throughout 2021. Do I think the Mets are winning this division? No. Do I need to see a lot more before I'm fully suckered back in? Absolutely. But they have a pulse. Minimum, minimum, minimum. They got the Nationals five games in like four days because of doubleheaders and cancellations. I think if you're the Mets, you got to win four games. I don't think three is good enough. The Nationals have tanked. They've gotten rid of everybody. They've been awful since the trade deadline. Go get four out of five games. 
And then you could maybe start cooking and start dreaming after you get the Marlins again about that big series over the 20th anniversary of the most terrific event here in the city's history, September the 11th. We'll have the Mets and the Yankees playing out at City Field. That's the idea. That's got to be what your focus is if you're the Mets. Go have a big weekend in our nation's capital. But at the very least, after what was a nightmarish start to the week, thumbs down, the general manager getting a DWI. It's like, how many kicks in the gut can I get if I'm a Mets fan? They're winning some games. They're allowing you to have a couple of days here to maybe enjoy yourself. We'll see if that's the case. Now, for the Yankees, you always should be enjoying yourself if you take on the Baltimore Orioles. The Yankees will play the Orioles Friday, Saturday, Sunday at Yankee Stadium. And the Yankees didn't win on Wednesday. Let's be honest. There are some games that feel like a little bit more, dare I say, important than other run-of-the-mill regular season games. The Yankees started off their West Coast trip 4-0, or their trip against Atlanta and Oakland. They had a four-game losing skid going into Wednesday. But they had the right man on the mound in Garrett Cole. And my goodness, how filthy, how special, how dominant is Garrett Cole? There are certain guys that when you think about what they bring to the table, it's beyond valuable. It's beyond insane, the impact Cole has had every fifth day starting for the New York Yankees. He's a warrior. He wants the ball. He's got this like bulldog type of energy that he brings every time you see him every fifth day. And he is an absolute pleasure to watch. I always knew he was a great pitcher, especially you saw that transformation when he went to the Houston Astros. He's better than I even thought. He will go down as one of Brian Cashman's best free agent signings. And that, listen, I get it. You make the argument a lot of guys could have gone and signed Garrett Cole. That's true, but he's better than advertised. And I think with his seven inning, one run, 15 strikeout performance, that was yet another notch on the Cy Young resume here for 2021. Garrett Cole is a front runner to be the AL Cy Young Award winner. Look at the numbers. Look at the performance. Look at the way he's backed it up. You can't even say seven innings, one run, and 15 strikeouts is his best start of the year because we all witnessed what he did that special Saturday before the All-Star break against the Houston Astros. Cole's the real deal. So the Yankees return five and four on their road trip. Now they got to get fat this weekend. Look, the priority has got to be playing good baseball, getting that top wild card, and making sure that Garrett Cole is on full rest going into that game. You don't want to have to push Garrett Cole in the final month of the year when they're playing Boston and Toronto and Tampa over that final week of the season. You don't want to be doing that. You want Cole, regular rest, no urgency, all's good. He can be in that rhythm and be exactly where he needs to be. That is a gigantic deal for the Yankees. Because you don't want him pitching on short rest, getting you into the playoffs. Can't mess around with that. Now, the Yankee bats, they're getting Gleyber Torres back over the weekend. Aaron Judge, John Carlos Stanton are doing their part. How good has Judge been this year, by the way? Judge is having... Probably the best season he's had in a Yankee uniform since his rookie breakout campaign in 2017. He's just been a complete player. He's done it all. He's done it all since the start of the year. 30 home runs. OPS is great. Batting average is around 300. Judge playing like a guy 
who's earning that sort of monster contract that we've talked about. Maybe not 10, 11 years, but a six to seven year deal for monster money. It's coming with this sort of performance, especially when you are the New York Yankees and you can afford it. But this weekend, go get fat against the Orioles. Gliber Torres, you owned them two years ago. Go have a big weekend. Gary Sanchez, who showed some serious signs of life at the end of the Angels series. Go have a big weekend. I'm going to be bummed if the Yankees lose a game to this team. I'm sorry, they shouldn't. The Orioles stink. They've been a laughing stock and an embarrassment all year. And one of the main differences between the Rays and the Yankees this year, Tampa's like 17-1, 18-1 against the Orioles. The Yankees have four or five losses against the Orioles. Not good enough. You better go sweep them. And they got them six more times before the end of the year. Let's be honest. They should go 6-0. and So that's the team. That's the idea. Beat up on some crap. That's the mindset for the Yankees and the Mets. Oh, you got to be kidding me. You got to be kidding me. You got to be freaking kidding me. So I'm just seeing this now as we are doing this. Gleyber Torres got hit in the hand. Huh? Oh, my God. So I guess you could forget about Gleyber Torres playing this weekend. He ain't playing on Friday. I mean, I don't know the severity yet, but he got hit in the hand. They're not going to have him play tomorrow. Just as he's about to come back, ninth inning of a dopey rehab game, and he gets hit in the hand. Ugh. Ugh. So much for him fattening up and beating up on the lowly Baltimore Orioles. That's a bummer. As excited as I was about Garrett Cole and winning the Cy Young and cashing that plus 350, uh, that's a kick in the balls. Oh, that's unfortunate. All right, we got a loaded show coming up. We'll have our buddy, Zach Braziller, with all the college football beaks. I got a bunch of beaks for week one, courtesy of our friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook. So he's going to join us and make a couple of picks. We will get to all your crazy voicemails, which I am very much looking forward to. But when we come back, we're going to welcome in a guy that I got to know over the past year. We talked a lot. We had a lot of back and forths during COVID and the NFL draft from 2020. Mutual fans of one another. He grew up not listening to me, but I grew up listening to him for years on NBC and then, of course, reading him in Sports Illustrated, Monday Column, and an absolute must. Peter King of NBC Sports, the legend. It's going to help us break down this 2021 NFL season. That's coming up next. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So as we get ready for the start of the NFL season, this is now the second year we're doing this because this legend and I have gotten acquainted. He is one of my favorites. I grew up reading his column in Sports Illustrated. I used to read the column Monday in the wee hours of the morning back when I was doing radio. And now I know I can read the column Monday over coffee because I could get to being a normal person and a normal human being, despite all the craziness of football season. He's been on the road. He's been here, there, and everywhere. The legend, the great Peter King. Peter, welcome. How are you, my friend? Hey, John. Good to be with you. Everything's going well. It's uh, much more of a normal year, and it was the kind of year out going out. I mean, the first place I went to 
the end of July was Las Vegas. And the first player I interviewed was Derek Carr. And he walked in the room and he goes, man, I wish I could hug you. He said, this has been so long. And he was serious because I know him a little bit. And he said, man, I wish I could hug you. Um, And that's really what it was in a lot of places. It was a little bit different. You know, when I sat down with Tom Brady, it was, um, we weren't sitting right next to each other. We were, you know, a couple, few feet apart, um, sitting outside uh, in Tampa. And a lot of teams had their own little quirks about where you could interview people. I was inside of some buildings, even though I'm vaccinated and I was getting tested almost everywhere I went. First day I was out, in fact, I was a close contact with Mike Mayock in Vegas. Later in the day, he tests positive. And at five o'clock in the morning, the the next morning, I get a, a text saying that you've been identified as one of the close contacts of Mayock. He's got COVID. And uh, so then it's, you know, you're on the phone with Alan Sills. You're on the phone with a lot of people basically. And I had to, for the next like five days, I tested everywhere I was and I had to tell every team, Hey, listen, if you don't want me around, I get it. But that led to the funniest thing. The day I found out I was in Oxnard, California with the Cowboys. And so when I sat down to uh, talk to Dak Prescott, we were 25 feet apart. Crazy. (laughs) Crazy. And we were outside. Outside, 25 feet apart. I mean, but you know what, Peter? It's the world we live in. But if you think about where we were a year ago, you'll gladly take this reality as opposed to last year's reality where we were trying to think about, is it even going to be possible for the NFL to get through a football season? So now that you think about your training camp tour, and I know you had a ton of great interviews and a ton of great content. Did you have a favorite stop on the tour? Um, well, you know, John, I'm okay. So I'm, I'm a competitive person and I like that. I think we all are. If you're in this business, you kind of have to be, I'm a competitive person and you know, I'm 64 years old and I've been doing this now. This is my 38th season. And I, the thing I get a kick out of most is not saying, uh, you know, not necessarily saying, Hey, I got, just got to spend 20 minutes with Brady or anything like that. It is knowing that when you walk away from something, when I walked away from Aaron Rodgers, I said, my column's going to be good. And when I walked away from Tom Brady, I said, my column's going to be good. And so that's what really kind of gets me excited rather than, you know, probably the most interesting thing I did on the trip was I spent a morning with Brandon Staley inside the Chargers, both at their facility and a staff meeting at their training camp. And because I've gotten to know him a little bit over the last three years, and I requested, and he said, sure, why not? Um, and and so basically, those are the things that really get me excited. And, you know, w- when I think 
that I'm going to have a story that nobody else has, or I've been places nobody else has been, or I've done things that other people aren't doing. That's what gets me excited. There are a whole lot of New York football fans who want to get excited about this 2021 season. But if you're a New York Giants fan, despite the fact that the NFC East is wide open, Peter, it seems like we keep coming back to the same problem. The giant offensive line continuing to be a nightmare. And this is this make or break year for Daniel Jones. Third year, got to take a leap forward. Giants haven't had a winning year since 16. Eight of the last nine years have been awful. Are you glass half full, glass half empty when it comes to the Giants' chances of being a winning team in 2021? Glass half empty. Um, Look, Parcells used to have a saying when I covered the Giants, hey, I can only go by what I see. And in the last week, the New York Giants' offensive line whoever they put in there looked awful against the Patriots. Now the Patriots are going to be good um, on the defensive front. I think the Patriots are, might be one of the surprise teams in football, even though, you know, I I don't know anybody who will be shocked if they win 11 games, but I, my, my, my overall feeling about the giants is that it seems not painfully obvious yet, maybe, but it seems apparent that they made a terrible choice with Andrew Thomas at left tackle. And so, you know, that is number one. And that terrible choice is going to have a huge influence on Daniel Jones's New York Giants career. But John, that wasn't the only thing that troubled me about the Giants when I saw them the other day. In the past week, you know, since that game, they've made two trades for offensive linemen. They traded for a center guard with the Bengals named Billy Price. And in his three years in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus, of the 89 people who've played center in the NFL in those three years, his grade is 86th. And, you know, and so they traded a usable NFL player, you know, the, the, the defensive tackle they traded for him, they traded a usable player to get a guy who has done absolutely nothing to prove that he can be a positive force on the offensive line. And then they trade for the guard with the Ravens. And I, when I saw this, I just couldn't believe it. The pick that they gave the Ravens, um, you know, to get this guard. And again, they got two picks in return, lower picks. They traded their fourth round pick next year for a guy who I believe was not going to make the Ravens. And, and I was at the Ravens last week, got a complete rundown on their roster. Uh, he, this guy was not prominent in their plans. And so the Giants trade for him and they trade their fourth round pick next year. Now let's just say for the sake of argument that the giants aren't very good, (laughs) you know, and they're picking in the top 10 again next year. That pick is take, pick a number, the 107th, 108th overall pick in the draft, which is a very prime pick. Now the giants did get two lower picks for that, but 
and I have to look it up, but their fifth round pick, I think that they got is from, is a pick that, uh, that Baltimore got from Kansas city. So where's Kansas city's fifth going to be? It's going to be one of the last picks in the round, most likely. So in essence, the giants got this, this guard, uh, from the Ravens for, you know, a pick they traded a very high fourth round pick next year and they got in return in essence what i would probably call like a six and a seven in value because the five is going to be very very low in the round so i I don't know you you tell me if that's a smart way to build your offensive line it doesn't look like it to me well my money would be on no especially when you consider right out of the gate think about their first two weeks peter they got the Denver Broncos, a Vic Fangio scheme, Von Miller, Bradley yeah. Chubb. You got to deal with that in week, week one. And then you got Washington, <laughs> Chase Young, and all that, you know, craziness, all the pass rushers they're going to bring to the table. Your offensive line that don't look particularly good right out of the gate is dealing with one of the two best, uh, five best, yeah. ten best pass rushers you're going to find in the league. Not a good mix. And, and, you know, the other thing when you talk about that, and again, look, it's early in the season. So maybe it's not that big a deal. They're, they're going to be well-rested. But, you know, those are two I'll, – I'll go out on a limb. I'll say those are two top 10 NFL defenses. Denver might have the best secondary in football. And Washington has a top five front seven right now. Not, no, I'll say they got a top 10 front seven. It might be better by year's end, but, but those are two – preeminent defenses they're going to be facing and they're facing them with the second one being on the road in the span of five days it's that is a rough start i mean giants fans could be throwing bricks through the tv screen uh on what is that september 15th or yeah, 16th before you even hit that is. second sunday of the year think about that yeah. for a minute because the giants are yeah. playing that first thursday night game of the year if you exclude the cowboys and the tampa bay buccaneers right. all right Let's get to the Jets. I hear all of these analyst types. I saw it from Romo yesterday. I've seen it from Collinsworth. They are they are waxing poetic about Zach Wilson and his chances of being a star quarterback in this league. Peter, are you hearing the same sort of things from folks you talk to around the league? Zach Wilson is an incredibly well-regarded quarterback by football people by people who coach the quarterback position. Um, I've got a lot of respect for Romo. Um, when he was a player, I remember him taking out his phone one time when I visited him late in his career in training camp, 15 or 16. And he pulled out a photo. Fo- He's got photos on his phone. He's got a little folder and he opened it up and he has photos of how every player in the NFL release how every quarterback releases the ball and he was showing me what makes a great release and so I said, basically you know, when you're seeing this stuff peter you're saying this guy is going to be an analyst star in the making be honest that's thought, probably what you were I, thinking right no question about it i knew that he would but the key to being a great analyst is being able to say that guy's no good because it's easy to say, oh, my God. I this is great. Yeah, great. everybody can say, yeah. hey, Patrick Mahomes yeah. is brilliant. Did you see that I mean, unbelievable but, play that not he made? But not, but, only that, not only that, John, but, you know, look, I, I, I'm, this is not an anti-Gruden sentiment, but 
How many times did John Gruden in a Monday night football game say, oh man, that guy's, that guy's awful. He, that guy's, that's not NFL quality, whatever. I mean, you listen to John Gruden and he does a Jacksonville Jets game and man, they're going to be Super Bowl contenders soon. And, and that's the thing, but Romo, it's going to be tough to take for an NFL fan to hear that. Yes. Who's the guy, Peter, who is the guy when you're around current NFL people that you think has that sort of quality to them? That they'd be an unbelievable uh, analyst. Is there one? Sean Sean McVay. You think McVay would be a rock star on television? And I think McVay. I think McVay is going to do it. I don't know when, but I think McVay is going to do it at some point. And I don't mean twenty years from now. I just mean I think every coach. Uh, well, not every coach. Basically, everybody but Belichick say, has a live. Spin. You know who I? Yeah. You know who else I think would be very good is Mike Tomlin. Like Tomlin, everybody good. says Tomlin would be yeah, fabulous. Tomlin I'll give you another Tomlin, guy, Peter. Yeah, Philip Rivers, if he ever wants to get in the TV, I think would be sensational. Yeah. sensational. I think he'd be good. I think he'd be good too. Uh, my question, it's my question with Drew Brees. It's my question with every player who goes into the booth. And that is, as a matter of fact, I saw Doug Peterson uh, at Indianapolis camp and we were talking about it. And I said, hey, my only piece of advice is, you know, and it sounds stupid, me giving a guy who's won a Super Bowl advice, but we were just talking. I said, my only piece of advice is do not go do television this year when you know that next year you're going to be looking for a job. Because what's going to happen is that you're going to go on TV and you're going to say, oh boy, I don't want to say anything bad about pick a team because... I might want to interview for their job next year. So I don't want to come across like I'm throwing bricks through their window, you know? And so I, 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 there's a lot of guys who would be good on TV, but my question is, you know, how good will they be depends in large part, how critical they are willing to be. Chris Collinsworth is excellent because he is willing to be critical. Tony Romo is willing to be critical. I don't think as much as Chris, uh, but I th- he's willing to be critical. And those are the guys who I want to listen to on Sundays. Now, getting back to the Jets, when you yeah. have a first-year coach and you have a first-year quarterback, it's kind of a free year in many ways. And I think for yeah. Jet fans, Peter, with how rotten and how vile they were last year, they go and win five games this year. And the coach looks like he has a plan. The quarterback shows you some good signs. You're going to be feeling good about your team. It's like that innocent climb in many ways. Free year for Jeff fans. You hearing good things about the overall operation as of this point? Well, I mean, I think that they chose wisely in the draft. And I think that generally they have had a good offseason. But there's a couple of major buts that I simply don't understand. How do you not have a veteran backup in the room with Zach Wilson? And look, I feel awful as everybody does, um, you know, with the death of Greg Knapp. You know, that's, that's, that is one of the, and again, you don't want to overstate one death, but that is such a tragic death getting killed basically by someone who apparently was looking at his phone. 
um, and hit him when he was on the bike when, you know, when he should obviously have seen <laughs> Greg Knapp riding his bike on a road in California. And so that is awful enough. But, you know, I talked to several people who've been coached by Greg Knapp and probably one of the people who I trust his opinion more than anybody, more than most people that I've ever covered is Steve Young. And one of the things he told me a few days after Knapp died is because remember, Steve Young uh, has been a confidant of Zach Wilson and the Zach Wilson family because he's a BYU, the BYU connection. Absolutely. And, and, and so he, he basically, he has told the family or he had told the family for, you know, months or at least weeks, the greatest thing that could have happened to your son, the greatest thing is that he's going to be coached by Greg Knapp. He's, he's an incredible coach and just a mentor. And he's going to, he's going to lay the groundwork for you for, for Zach all through the early part of his career. And now he's not there. And he doesn't have anywhere near a Josh McCown. He doesn't have, I don't understand why the Jets have not done this. I, I don't think it's smart. I just don't. Um, it puts an incredible amount of pressure on Michael Floor. <clears throat> um, you, you know, his, his coach, his guru now, um, to be great for him. And, and again, I think Mike LaFleur is a very good coach. And I think that was an excellent hire by Robert Sala. But, you know, you're missing a guy who would be like a guru and you're missing a, a good backup. I, so, again, <clears throat> I like Zach Wilson. I think he's got a good future. But all these people who talk about how great Zach Wilson is going to be, you know, um, football is a 22-man game. And, you know, the Jets have been awful because the people around the quarterback have been awful. And how in the world can you judge Sam Darnold after watching, you know, the Jets play football for the last three years? It's an absolute debacle. So, look, I don't know, John. I think they got the right quarterback. I like it. But, again, if you don't build around that quarterback, and you don't get really good players around that quarterback, it's not going to show up. Okay, Peter, you know this. You've been around the NFL forever. There's always a playoff team from the year prior that falls flat on their face, and there's always a non-playoff team that finds their way into the playoffs. So what I want you to do is I want you to find me the non-playoff team from 2020 that will be playing in mid-January. I can't say early January now because the regular season is extended an extra week. <laughs> and then you got to yeah. find me the team that was in the postseason tournament last year that won't be this year. Well, um, I'm going to say the team that was in the playoffs last year that won't be this year is Chicago. Um you know, I totally uh, forgot that they were a playoff team. Just thinking yeah. about it right now, like you think about their year a season ago, they were a doesn't exactly team, they give were off the vibe of a playoff team. Yeah, they were yeah. a fake playoff yeah. team. Yeah. I, you know, so that would be the one. But of all the other teams, and if you expand it to teams that people are kind of high on right now, and say you include Minnesota, like, I, and again, I think Minnesota has really added some good pieces. 
But to me, any team that has a quarterback who's not vaccinated is a house of cards. That's all there is to it. You could be missing two to three weeks easily. Easily. Easy. Easy. Two weeks especially. If you if Kirk Cousins tests positive on a Friday this year, he's out for two games. He's out for two games. And, you know, they may sign Sean Mannion, uh, but whoever is their backup, whether it's Kellen Mond or whoever, is not going to win games. You can get them to win one game maybe, but it's just – it's a bad situation. But um, as far as the other side of the other side of the spectrum, I have two. I have two that uh, that I like to make it. One is the Chargers. I think the Chargers might be really good. I mean, I think they might be challenge Kansas City into December. Good. Wow! Uh, wow! I don't think they're going to win that division, but they're going to be a good team. And do you think uh, that's now, coaching? The guys they're getting no, back I on defense or the no, extension of well, Herbert or all the above? They got, I mean, Justin Herbert, you know, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, the, the, you know, I, that's, a, that's a very good and very explosive and dangerous offense if healthy. But the real reason is that, you know, they take this coach who, as a guy nobody ever heard of a year ago, nobody had heard of Brandon Staley. And he goes in there and Jalen Ramsey falls in love with him and calls him the best coach I've ever had. And, and so it, it, they have the number one defense in football last year with the Rams. Now he goes over and again, you had Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey in one place. Now you have Joey Bosa, Derwin James in the other place. But again, the caveat is Derwin James has missed uh, 27 of the last 32 games with injury. And Joey Bosa is not solid as a rock necessarily um, in terms of, you know, being an injury threat. So those guys have to stay healthy, but if they do, that's going to be a really good defense and they're going to win a lot of games. The other team that I like is new England. It didn't make the playoffs last year. So those would be the two teams I'd probably pick out that, that I think are going to be uh, better and significantly better than last year. Gut feeling, Peter. Does Deshaun Watson play a game in the NFL in 2021? <sighs> yes, but it's only a gut feeling. I can't tell you how this is going to play out. The tough thing with this, John, is, you know, th- this has been kept so quiet. Uh, the entire story in the last two or three months with both sides wanting to win legal points in the press. But for the most part, they've been really, really quiet. So I don't know if Deshaun Watson is going to, A, come to an agreement uh, in which he has to pay a jillion dollars to these 22 women, um, uh, you know, to, to, to make this uh, case go away and get this this issue make this issue go away uh, or I don't know if he's going to prison I don't I don't I mean how can anybody predict and that's what why is Peter, if I'm a team, how do you potentially give up two or three first round picks two second round picks whatever was being reported when all of this is looming over his head like I think about it from my team standpoint the Miami Dolphins 
I'd be livid if the Dolphins made that sort of trade. With this uncertainty, you can't make that move. No because way. You have, because you would have to, if you trade, if Houston trades with Miami, that's why Houston has to wait till the offseason. Uh, I mean, I guess there's a slight chance that everything would be adjudicated by the trading deadline, which is November. Uh, hang on a minute. It's November 2nd at four in the afternoon. Um, so that's two months away. There's a chance that everything is adjudicated by then, but then is he going to get, uh, if you, if you trade him, uh, is he going to be able to play right away or is he going to be, uh, you know, going to have some NFL suspension? So if you, if you want to trade to a Tonga who obviously would have to be a part of the trade, um, you would think if you trade to a Tonga you're basically saying to your players, Okay, we'll build a bridge to Deshaun Watson somehow, some way, and we'll just win win games however we can or or compete. But we're, we we think that if Deshaun Watson can play by December one, we could salvage our season. I, I mean, that's why all of it seems absurd. In my opinion, you're going to get the best offers in February. Uh, you're not going to get the best offers now because nobody knows what's going to happen with Watson. Are you hearing good things about my quarterback down in Miami? Seems like he's had a terrific camp. It seems like they've built an offense that's more tailor-made for his game as opposed to what Chan Gailey was working with with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think they're a playoff team, Peter, if their offensive line holds up. I think there is a way Buffalo, Miami, and New England all make the playoffs out of the AFC East this year. I can see that. Could be. It could be, and it wouldn't shock me, but uh, that would mean that, let's say, Pittsburgh and Indianapolis. Missed the playoffs. Would, well, I, I, think Pittsburgh, playoffs. I think Pittsburgh is missing the playoffs. With I that think offensive Pittsburgh, line and I think, Pitts, I think, I think, Pitts, I think Pittsburgh's pretty good. Wow. I, we are, I, I think see, Pittsburgh I think it's Cleveland's division. So you're in, really, even with the way the Steelers played down the stretch last year, and Roethlisberger, totally, he, looked, really, Peter, really he looked finished. He looked done. Ben Roethlisberger, uh, for the first time that I've seen him in a while, really took this offseason seriously. Probably because the guys like me yelling and screaming he got, that he's done, basically. He got, he, he got in shape. And I'm just telling you, he looks different. He is guarded. Okay. He has guarded his weight loss with his life. He won't tell anybody how much he's lost. But you look. look Last year, at the end of the year, he looked like Sonny Jurgensen. He looked shot. You know, and, he he, and, and I mean, he just looked, uh, he, he, he looked overweight. He couldn't, he couldn't get out of anybody's way. It just, you know, and, and the offensive line changing. Look, okay, I'm judging this some on a preseason game I, I was in the house for against the Detroit Lions in week two. And their offensive line, kept Roethlisberger clean. He's got this new weapon in Pat Fryermuth, the tight end from Penn State, who's got, I, I mean, maybe it's just two catches. And so I, I shouldn't overstate this, but man, this kid's got hands. Um, and so I, you know, again, you're always a victim by some of the things that you see. And I didn't see everything in this, in this preseason, but I thought the Steelers looked pretty good. And I just think there are three teams in that division, um, you know, that I think they all could win the division. 
And I think Cleveland, it's logical to say it's their time. They're young and growing and everything. Uh, but I just will say this. Are you sure about Baker Mayfield? Are you sure? I'm a fan. I, am. I, I, I I'm not. I'm not debating that. But I'm saying, do you think that Baker Mayfield is a guy who is going to take the Cleveland Browns to the promised land? And a lot of people do. And I'm not saying I don't, but I need to see it first. Final one. You love storylines. It's why you're in the business that you're in. It's great that you were back doing your thing throughout this training camp. But now as we look ahead to the NFL season, what is the individual storyline that Peter King is looking forward to following the most? I would say, you know, I'm a sucker for the quarterback position. And there are so many young quarterbacks who are going to be everything for their teams this year. You know, the Miami Dolphins are not making the playoffs if Tua stinks. That's all there is to it. Um, the, the, you know, the New York Jets, I don't see how Zach Wilson is going to, or, or obviously it, in the same way, I don't see Jacksonville winning 11 games. But for those two guys, their franchises absolutely have to have really good almost Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow type seasons as rookies for everybody in those markets to, to feel good about their teams. Um, but I think the overriding thing to me, um, again, is watching Tom Brady at age 44. He's 1,593 days older than the next oldest player in football. And I mean, just think about it. He's four years older than anybody else in football. And last year, in his first year with a new team, he threw for more touchdowns than Patrick Mahomes, more yards than Aaron Rodgers, and he won the Super Bowl by 22 points. Insanity. It's, it's insanity. And, and his team is better. And that doesn't mean they're going to win. Okay? Every year is a new year. But... You know, you know what Bruce Arians is most excited about M- by far. You know what he's most excited about? Giovanni Bernard. And you ask why? And you ask why? Because Tom Brady always if you go back to the Love Atlanta Super running Bowl, back, James White, okay? Kevin James Falk, White. no question yeah. about it. If you if you go back to the game that they're behind 28 to 3 in the middle of the third quarter and you go back and you watch that game again, there's three players who were the most important people other than Brady on offense that won that game. James White, obviously Chris Hogan and Malcolm Mitchell. You talk about an SI, where are they now story in 10 years? Where is Malcolm Mitchell? Where's Chris Hogan? And where is sweet feet? James White. But those guys basically were the reasons why New England and, and Brady being so good came back from, from that deficit. But the only reason I bring that up is that Tampa Bay had so much going for them last year. What they didn't have is a third down back. Because for next they didn't catch have the a guy in the backfield. You know, Correct. And, and I'm, I'm just telling Gio Bernard is making 1.2 million. You know, he could have gone to quite a few places and made real money. 
but he wanted to play with Tom Brady and the Bucks. And I'm just telling you, I will not be surprised if Giovanni Bernard catches 80 balls. Might have to put him on my uh, on my queue for my fantasy draft coming I, up this I would, weekend, I would, Peter. I would. I would. Here's the only problem. I, I, I wouldn't play him every week because there are going to be some weeks where Chris Godwin goes off or Cameron Braid or Mike Evans or this new guy. I'll tell you to put in your queue. Jalen Darden, fourth-round draft pick from North Texas. He's the guy who Tom Brady has been taken under his wing throughout training camp. So you want to make a last-round pick that everybody in your league will say, what an idiot you are. Pick Jalen Darden. This was so much fun. Don't be a stranger. Have a great NFL season. Hopefully we'll catch up soon. And uh, good luck with those Red Sox trying to make the playoffs. Good luck. I hope, Peter, I hope that you and I can maybe uh, think about a wager for a potential wildcard game with our beloved two teams. Sale and Cole would be a lot of fun, buddy. A lot of fun. I just was going to say, I was just going to say, Chris Sale at Garrett Cole with, and I'll, I'll just tell you this, the Red Sox do not belong on the same field with the New York Yankees. Yeah, but right that's now, my fear, though, Peter. After the way but, this season has transpired, it could yeah. be like a house money game for you, and yes. your manager against my manager scares the crap out of me. Full disclosure, because yeah. your manager but it's is not, terrific. It's, that is not, in my opinion, I doubt it's a manager's game. You know what that is? That is Chris Sale giving you seven. Garrett Whitlock giving you the eighth. And somebody, I don't know, either Adovino or oh, Barnes. Oh, good luck with that. Adovino, tie game at Yankee Adovi- Stadium, you sign imagine, me up now. Adovino trying to, imagine this, imagine this. Four to three, uh, bottom of the ninth, Adovino comes in to close out the New York Yankees season. I will what tell you what I will like need. For you? A whole lot of those <laughs> pinstripe pilsners that they sell. I'll have to load up before the seventh <laughs> inning if I got to deal with that. I see you already. Paint the scenario that is like doomsday <laughs> for me. You are the best. Continued success. We'll talk soon. All right, okay? John. Thanks a lot. Take care. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. That was an absolute blast. Peter King killing it as always. Very bullish on the Chargers. I'm skeptical on that. I'm skeptical. Just because I think they're way too sexy a pick and way too sexy a team. It also seems like Peter is... Bullish on the Pittsburgh Steelers. And if Ben Roethlisberger's in better shape and they get better offensive line play, sure, you could sell me on that. Roethlisberger were cooked last year. The offensive line is brand spanking new. Unless Najee Harris is going to basically solve all of the issues that they had as far as running the football season ago, I don't see how the Steelers are a better team than the Cleveland Browns or the Baltimore Ravens. I don't see it. I think the Steelers at best are a third-place team in the AFC North. But that's me. Voicemail number, 
And I know many of you are probably wondering, all right, it's football season. How do I get in touch with the show? Or it's baseball season. How do I get in touch with the show? 917-382-1151. That's how you do it. That's how you make some magic. Speaking of making some magic, where are we leading this thing off? Hey, John, Justin in Miami. A little giant talk for you. I know we, we spend so much time on the Barkley pack, which I totally agree. To me, the move was to trade down. But to me, you know, the, the pick which is really looking worse, frankly, is the Andrew Thomas pick. I mean, you think about it. They had the fourth pick in that draft. There were four offensive tackles. And at the time, Thomas was considered the worst of all of them. You know, they were projected to, to take Willis, the kid out of Cleveland. But Willis, Beckton, and Worfs were all projected to be higher than Thomas. And what does Gettleman do? He reaches for the fourth pick because this guy supposedly has the highest floor. And you know what we've seen one year in? He looks clearly like the only one of these guys who isn't a quality NFL tackle. I mean, amazing. One out of four guys, you get the first pick and you pick the wrong guy. My only other thought on the Giants is this. You know, I think if it doesn't work out for Daniel Jones this year, I know there's going to be a lot of talk about drafting a quarterback. But I got to tell you, I don't know if that's the move. I'll give you a name. I could totally see this happening. If Judge builds the defense, it looks like the defense is good. They get two first-round picks. One of them could be pretty high. I could totally see the Giants bringing in Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo, to hold the Ford at quarterback. He's a solid quarterback. Is he great? No. But you know what? You build the team around him. You take a team to a Super Bowl. We already saw it. And remember, Judge was with the Patriots when Garoppolo was there. So I could totally see the Giants pivoting. Put, sign Garoppolo to play quarterback, use those two first-round picks to maybe fortify the line with a good defense, and then in 2022, you're contending again. All right, let's get your thoughts on it. That's a fascinating idea. We're so far down the road in trying to fantasize and forecast what the 2022 offseason is going to look like. It's impossible for me to say with certainty the Giants and Jimmy G would be a fit. First of all, how's Jimmy G going to play this year if he gets the chance for Kyle Shanahan. Number two, what kind of year is Daniel Jones going to have for the New York Giants? Number three, is Dave Gettleman making roster and personnel decisions? Like, there are just so many moving parts to say, oh, it's it's a formality. Jimmy G as a Giant makes sense. Because you also have to see, what is the Deshaun Watson market? What is the Aaron Rodgers market? How do you feel about the first round crop of quarterbacks that's coming into the league? Where exactly the Giants pick, you know, they have two first round picks. Are you talking about one of those within the top 10? Like there are just too many variables. Let's get through 2021 first. Would I say it's outrageous? No, not in the least, but it's just too far down the road. As far as your Andrew Thomas point, I like the pick. I was very critical of the Barkley pick. I did not love the Daniel Jones pick. Um, I like the Thomas pick because I watch a lot of SEC football. And basically, anytime I watched Andrew Thomas in an SEC football game, he looked apart. And I thought he was actually the safest of the five tackles. Maybe he didn't have the highest upside, but I thought he was the safest of the five. So far, he has not played well. You just heard Peter King a few minutes ago talk about the concerns and talk about the problems of how one pick over the last two years, could completely sabotage a season. Andrew Thomas needs to be much better. And he cannot look the way he did in the final preseason game against the New England Patriots. Because if that's the version of the player you're getting, Giants probably in for a long year. It's a big year for Andrew Thomas. It's a bigger year for Daniel Jones. 
Giants need to be a good offensive team. And that means the offensive line is going to play decently. And that means the quarterback is going to take that next step. Got to see this quarterback take that next step. Who's up next? Hey, JJ, Sean from Long Island. Thanks for taking the call, man. Uh, the Mets just leave the fourth inning, hoping the bullpen can hang on with this game against the Marlins. But call about the football season. The more this is fun, JJ, I think your head is a little too much in the clouds with the Dolphins. Looks dismissive with the Jets here, man. I gotta tell you. Uh, not crazy enough to say the Jets finish better than the Dolphins. I'm thinking a little bit. Let's combine wins and touchdown passes. Zach Wilson and the Jets throw for more than Tua and the Dolphins. Think about it, man. Loser buys a round of golf and a round of beers. A little unique bet for your portfolio. I bet you, Wilson and the Jets combined wins and touchdown throws outscore Tua and the Dolphins. What do you say, man? Take it easy. I will take your action because I'm a man of honor. The problem with that bet is the Jets, I think, are going to be behind in a lot more games. So therefore, you're going to see Zach Wilson air it out and maybe throw it a lot more than two is going to throw it. I almost want to count rushing touchdowns for the quarterbacks in addition to that because maybe Wilson gets a couple, maybe Tua gets a, t- gets a couple. So how about we do total touchdowns for the quarterbacks any which way and it wins and you got yourself a wager. You got yourself a bet. I think it will be very, very close. I think Tua and Wilson will probably throw a similar amount of touchdowns. Maybe I even give Zach Wilson one or two more. Injuries obviously could play a factor. We know that. But the wins, I mean, the Dolphins, the Dolphins should have at least four to five more wins than the Jets with how I foresee this season shaking out. I would be very disappointed if indeed that's not the case. Sorry, Jeff fans, but that's just real talk. Who's up next? What up, JJ? Rich from Brooklyn here. Fellow Betrees along. I saw you last week and uh, San Diego was on vacation sitting outside a kayak shop. See you roll up in uh, Syracuse uh, bathing trunks. Thought that was funny. Um, looked like you had the wrong spot and we're in a rush, so I didn't, I didn't bother you. But I um, hope you had a fun time in San Diego. It was beautiful when I was there. Um, but a little bit on the Mets here. Just saw the new news with Zach Scott um, and the DUI. I mean, dysfunction seems to follow this team everywhere they go, um, between coaches, uh, now the players. Um, and the other GM with the sexual harassment bullshit. Um, I just, where, where does this end? What do we need to do to turn things around? I mean, talk me off the ledge here. Um, can you, can a new GM, um, sustain this core and make it a winning team with new free agent additions or, or do they have to tear it down and start over? I mean, I'm just tired of, of waiting for, for this product to come together, but, um, sad to hear what you're thinking. Um, take care, JJ. There's a lot to get to in that phone call. Number one, Rich is right. I was kayaking in San Diego a couple of days ago, and he should have said hello. I'm kind of mad at Rich that, you know, I run in. When do you expect to see me in California? I'm rocking Syracuse Orange bathing suit. You got to say hello. Second confession about the kayaking. And I have never gone before. And I was out the night before. Pacific Beach, Shore Club. Had a bunch of Konas. Nothing crazy, though. I was not hungover waking up in the morning. We got on those kayaks. Oh, my goodness. You want to talk about an unpleasant scene. Imagine yours truly. Face deep. Somewhere in the Pacific. Puking out the acai bowl that he had in the morning. Not a pretty sight. Not a pretty look. And it definitely has scarred me now from going kayaking 
for the foreseeable future. I don't know what the cause was. If I am now prone to motion sickness, I don't know if it was having a weird and a wacky breakfast that I normally never have. I'm usually an eggs guy, a waffle guy. I went with the acai bowl in San Diego for whatever the reason. Maybe that played a role. Or maybe it was the uh, couple of beverages from the night before. It was not pleasant. It, kayaking was enjoyable for about 35 minutes. It took a real nasty and negative sort of tone on those final 10 minutes coming back. My body did not particularly like me. Especially when you had a two-hour drive to L.A. to hang with Fennessy after the fact. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. Now, as far as your point on Zach Scott and the Mets, listen, it's embarrassing. Anytime you have a GM, anytime you have two GMs, one basically gets fired before the start of the year because he's got all these allegations against him. The second is driving back from a party, bombed, falls asleep in his car and gets a DWI. It's completely unacceptable. It's giving Steve Cohen the right to basically clean house at the end of this year. GM, manager, what have you. It's giving him that out. It's giving him that right. But with all this dysfunction surrounding the Mets, they've actually played better over the last couple of days. Maybe that's more a product of the Marlins and the Nationals than anything else, but you kind of thought after all that nonsense, it'd go one of two ways where you'd fade into oblivion or you'd actually get back into this thing. Well, they've gotten back into this thing. Crazy but true. And next time you see me, by the way, in San Diego, please say hello. Who's next? JJ, Pete in Westchester. How you doing? Um, just calling, just to comment on that Garrett Cole performance last night, 15 strikeouts, stops the, the, the lost streak. That's exactly what you want from your ace. It was just a great performance. The guy, you know, a little, a little shaky there without his spider tack or his substances, but, uh, he seems to have, uh, really gotten it going these last few starts. So really excited for that. And Judge peaking the right time, Giancarlo peaking right time, uh, starting to feel pretty good. Um, but hey, listen, this came up in my group chat last night question between a couple friends, and I wanted to get your take on it. Who would you rather take for the rest of his career, Jacob DeGrom or Garrett Cole? Obviously, can't really be wrong with either one, but DeGrom's availability has been an issue, and obviously Cole is, is learning to kind of pitch without the spider attack, but will that continue to be a problem going forward? So I thought it was an interesting debate, Yankee fans. I think we're going to stay our guy, Garrett Cole, but obviously DeGrom's stuff is incredibly nasty, so needed to get your take. Thanks, brother. Bye-bye. Outstanding question. Cole, remember when the narrative, even on this podcast, was can he pitch without the sticky stuff? That star in Houston basically silenced any of those questions. Guy's really good. Guy's super talented. He's in great shape. His body, I think, is built to withstand pitching for a long period of time. And I'm not going to suggest that Garrett Cole is better than Jacob DeGrom because I still think Jacob DeGrom is the best pitcher in baseball. The numbers back that up when he's on the mound doing his thing. I do think DeGrom, though, is not nearly as built for the next five to six years as opposed to a guy like Derek Cole. Injuries are starting to take their toll for DeGrom. His body type, I don't think, is tailor-made for you know having lengthy success the way a guy like Cole might be. So over the next five, six years, I would take Cole. For next year, I would take Jacob DeGrom. That might be a little bit of a cop-out, but that's reality. Short-term DeGrom, better pitcher. Long-term, I think Cole holds up. Just a guess. Just my take. For what it's worth. Who's next? What's up, JJ? It's Lucas from Stanford. Pretty interesting that during the Yankees' four-game losing streak they just had, that 
They didn't steal a single base during that stretch. I just don't understand how you go from seeing how things are going, where you're making things happening, running the bases. You see what the Angels did the other night, where Tani's double steal, stealing home. I mean, that's how you win baseball games now. And I hate to like blame it on one person, but Gio Rochelle is back in the lineup, and he is a station to station of players that get. You don't really think of him in that regard, but anytime he grabs the ball in the infield, it's a double play. He's like one for 21 is coming off the IL. We'll see what happens with this little uh, thumb injury here, but he's not terrible. The Yankees went 19 and four when he was when he was out from August 1st through the 26th, and then as soon as he comes back, they go two and four including the four-game losing streak. He didn't play on the Garrett Cole game. I want to say that. He would have made a difference. But I'm starting to think that maybe Tyler Wade or, or Tyler Wade's got to, got to play over him. He makes um, so much more dynamic, and he makes, gives us a credible threat who could beat out an infield hit, who could go first or third, who could steal a base. Drew Rochelle, obviously none of that. And that, that missed double play against the, in the A's game last Sunday will haunt me forever. I mean, a routine double play ball that you boo and instead you probably cost the Yankees the game there. I don't know. I'm just starting to think that Gio, this notion that Gio Rochella has to be the everyday third baseman, what has he done to warrant that? Curious to hear your thoughts. Lucas, I think you're overreacting a little bit. I can't believe I'm now taking calls from Yankee fans who would actually suggest they'd rather see Tyler Wade over Gio Rochella. Imagine having that conversation back in June and July. Now, I agree with the narrative and the focal point that the Yankees got to be more aggressive on the bases, and it's been a strength for them. It's been a dramatic change over the second half of the year, but Who's to say Gio Rochella can't be a part of that? I've seen guys on this team who aren't exactly dynamic base runners steal bases because they've been more willing to make shit happen, which is what you want to see. With now Glaber having a little bit of a setback, you're going to see Wade and Velasquez have their time at shortstop. And remember, Rochella's on the shelf again. So that means you're going to have a three-man mix in that infield with Wade, Velasquez and Odor. And I guess Aaron Boone's going to have to mix and match until you figure out what's going on with Gio and what's going on with Glaber. I agree on the aggressiveness. I beg to differ. I think you're being a little too harsh on Gio Rochelle. Who's next? JJ, it's Anthony and Syosset. Um, I hope you and the wife and the family are all safe. It, it was fucking raining uh, like I've never seen before in the five boroughs and even out on Long Island last night. Um, anyway, speaking of last night, I know it's the fucking Angels, but it's Otani. Cole gets up for the big game, dude. I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. But that was a homecoming game for him, you know, and, and he performed as dominantly as you would expect. I think it's a foregone conclusion right now, as you said the other day, the division is gone. So God willing here, we host the one-game playoff, and you get Cole. I don't want Boston, but we can get into that at a later date in September. But whoever it is, you get what you get from Cole last night. You imagine that's going to be enough to win. My question to you, and I hate to do it, I hate to look ahead, is Cole starts the one-game playoff. It probably means you're only going to see him once in the five-game series against Tampa. So who do you start game one and game two? Who do you start? I'm not even going to tell you mine because I want to hear it. But I have my guy for game one. That I know. So I want to know your game one and your game two in the ALDS. Disco check. Excellent question, Anthony and Syosset. Um, It's a fluid situation. So my answer here on, what, September the 2nd might be a lot different come September the 20th. I just want to throw that out there. 
But assuming Garrett Cole pitches the wild card game, wins the wild card game, and you don't have to use another starter. Because remember, the game gets nutty and chaotic and you use the starter out of the bullpen, that might change your plans for the division series. Assuming that's not the case, I want Jordan Montgomery going in game one. I think Jordan Montgomery knows how to battle. I think Jordan Montgomery knows how to pitch with runners on base. Jordan Montgomery would be my game one starter. My game two starter could be Nesta Cortez. It could be Corey Kluber. It could be Jamison Tyon. It could be Domingo Herman. I'm not ready to commit to who that game two guy is going to be. I'm fairly certain no matter what, Jordan Montgomery would be my next starter because I have a lot of confidence in him. I've always been very much a Monty guy. I like the way he battles. I like that lefty moxie he brings to the table. I like Montgomery. Game two, I'm not sure. Cortez is intriguing. I'm a little worried about Tyon. Because remember, he hasn't pitched over the last two years. Is he a guy that's running out of gas a little bit? And is he a guy that might be transitioned into the bullpen? And I'll give you somebody else to watch. What about Heal when he comes back? Are the Yankees thinking about him as a starter? Are they thinking about him as a reliever? There are a lot of moving parts here. A lot of moving parts. I can't consider Severino a starter. He comes back, he's probably pitching out of the bullpen. And that's if you're lucky to get him out of the bullpen. Can Kluber ramp it up? I think it comes down to Kluber or Cortez. That's where I feel right about now. Kluber or Cortez would be my game two starter. And we shall see where that takes us. Hopefully the Yankees aren't fighting like crazy just to get in the playoffs. Two to go. Who do we got? Hey, JJ, bro. What's happening? It's Robert from the Bay Area. Uh, So pleased to see how the Yankees have really turned it around. But my biggest question is, in terms of the wild card, because obviously the division's not happening, but who who would you want us on the play? The Red Sox, the A's? Like, if we're asking JJ, who, who do we want to play in the, like, the big wild card game? Who's your who's your pick? And my other quick question, AL East related, what do you think of this Wander Franco guy? Man, this guy, I'm watching him quite a bit, obviously, because it concerns the division. I mean, this guy is fucking crazy. I mean, he's hitting all over the place. Defense ain't too bad. So what are, what are your thoughts on him? Do you see him being a real deal? But anyways, man, take care. Keep up the good shit. I appreciate that. Listen, Wanda Franco's a stud. There's a reason why, even though he got off to a slow start, he's one of the top prospects in all of baseball. He's a Ray, so they usually know what they're doing. As far as your question, when it comes to who I'd prefer to play in the wildcard game, it's not even close. I'd rather play Oakland for a couple of different reasons. Number one, the A's never win big games in October. Never, ever, ever, ever win big games in October. I prefer the game be at Yankee Stadium because the Yankees have not been great out the bay. But I'll tell you the other reason I don't want to play Boston. I don't need the stress. Especially now. Because the way the season has kind of taken shape. Red Sox got off to this incredible start. They're laughing in the Yankee fan's face. They're mocking the Yankee fan. Every right to do so. And it turned on a dime where the Yankees basically flipped and made up eight, nine, ten games in the standings, which allows Red Sox Nation, the Ryan Murrays, the, the Brian Patricks, the McSheffreys, the Bill from Los Angeleses of the world to now say, hey, we're playing with house money. You're expected to win that game. 
And I don't want to have to deal with the Red Sox fan if the Yankees lose. See, it would be bad enough if the Yankees lose a wild card game. They lose to the A's. I don't have to deal with A's fans. I have too many Red Sox fans in my life. That's an easy call for me. I want no part of playing the Red Sox because as great as it would be to beat them, it would be that much worse to lose to them. And I just can't deal with that aggravation and that sort of stress that I would have for 48 to 72 hours. I can't. It would not be good for my blood pressure. Let's just put it that way. Last and certainly not least, who's up? What's going on, JJ? This is uh, Stuart from Brooklyn. I want to talk some college football, and that's Notre Dame football, because it's finally fucking here. Three days away for Notre Dame football. I've waited for this day. I can't wait. And getting ready for Florida State. Oh, and by the way, John, I look at that schedule. I could see no more than two losses, maybe USC or Wisconsin. But if everything goes okay, maybe they go undefeated and get into the college football playoffs. Last year, they came up short. This year, they're going to be even stronger, especially with Marcus Freeman on this coaching staff. It changes everything. And with this game against Florida State, this the defense is going to steal the show. You know, John, you hear all the rumblings out of camp uh, as how the offense has going to be m- much more explosive with our healthy speedsters, with uh, with Lorenz and uh, with Lindsey and uh, Austin, and especially with Jack Cohn that is more willing to throw the ball down the field with accuracy and, and he could scramble. And we had the best running back duo in college and one of the best tight ends in college. But with Freeman, the new defensive scheme will steal the show and outshine the offense. I could see multiple turnovers forced by the defense and holding Florida State running backs under 100 yards. That's that's all I got to say, John. And I just can't wait for football. I love the giddiness from my dude, Stuart in Brooklyn, one of my favorites, one of my regulars. And he loves his Giants and he loves the Notre Dame fighting Irish. Notre Dame is going to run the football very well this year. They have recruited a far higher quality of athletes since Brian Kelly has taken over. The issue has been for Notre Dame when they take it up a weight class with the best of the best that college football has to offer. Far too many times and far too many instances, Notre Dame has fallen flat on their face. Now, Forest State is not a great team. I don't love the fact that this line has gone from 10 to 7.5 with a lot of the tickets coming in on the top 10 Notre Dame fighting Irish. I would not be surprised if this game ends up being competitive. I would not be surprised if Florida State kept this within the number. Notre Dame should win. Now, the one thing I'll, I'll challenge you on a little bit, Stuart, I think the Notre Dame schedule is a little trickier than you're making it out to be. You're at Wisconsin, not an easy game. You host USC, not an easy game. North Carolina is the top 10 team. You got them on the schedule. I see some pitfalls for Notre Dame. Now, I expect you to win Saturday. I expect you to beat Toledo. I expect you to beat Purdue. That Wisconsin game at the end of September, that, that's not easy. And don't forget about Cincinnati. I forgot. Notre Dame hosts Cincinnati as well. Not as easy a slate as I've seen in years past for the Irish. A lot of nationally ranked teams preseason on that schedule. Something to think about. Speaking of college football, I got to make some picks against the spread for week one. Am I as confident in, in, in these as I will be next week in my NFL picks? No, because it takes me a couple weeks to get a sense and a feel for anybody in college football. 
Don't have that sense. Don't have that feeling in the NFL, for better or worse. But we'll have some fun with our pal, Zach Brazilla, New York Post. Break it all down. Week one beaks, they're alive. That's coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies' splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah. A toast to breakfast. It's finally here, folks. Week one of the college football season. I think it's a pretty fun week one card. Couple of juicy games. You know we'll be picking them against the number. And we'll welcome in a guy. He's here. He's there. He's everywhere. He's got previews out in the paper. He's got his Mets suckering him back in. <laughs> the post extraordinaire, Zach Brazil. What's up, buddy? Hey, I'm, uh, it's been, let's just say it's, it's been a long few days between, you know, basically almost sleeping over the U.S. Open last night and uh, being back there today with all my college football stuff. And um, it's, if I'm, glad, I'm glad the season's here. Um, and we're, we're watching Ohio, Ohio State, Minnesota. My, yeah, my I'm sweating this game out. Don't remind yeah. me. For, so for the audience listening to this on Friday, I have Minnesota. Half of my wagers at 14. The other half is at 14 and a half. And Zach, we will be sweating this game out over the next 10 to 15 minutes, my friend. That's a guarantee. One of uh, one of my editors is a big Ohio State fan, and he sent me a text before the game reminding me I was the only person in our in the, in the post-grid to pick Minnesota because I think Ohio State's not that good. And, you know, and I was messing with them when it was set when, when they were down. And now that they're up 14, I, I'm, I'm going to stay away. But uh, I thought I was looking good here for a while. Get off to a nice little start in week one. And, you know, Minnesota decided they want to play for field goals. So. Not ideal. Not the recipe you need when you're a 14 point underdog. Um, no. All in all, no. Zach, though, look, looking at this week one card, it is a pretty appealing week one card. I think Georgia and Clemson is fantastic. I think LSU and UCLA is a pretty intriguing game. I like having Wisconsin and Penn State at high noon right out of the gate. And then you got Notre Dame, Florida State on Sunday. Like, I think about week ones in the past. You have like one marquee game and then you have a bunch of slop. I feel like you got a bunch of games that are worth your while here over the next, I don't know, two days. Like there's something to watch, which is a good thing. And I wouldn't even, now I think Alabama wins by a few scores, but I don't think Alabama Miami is terrible either. Um, you know, I, I think Alabama's going to win, but, you know, the, the new quarterback, Bryce Young, you never know how they'll start. And, you know, De'Ara King is obviously terrific. Now we'll see how healthy he is, but I think that's a good game too. Yeah, it's a really good slate. I, I mean, obviously, Clemson, Georgia's is just such a great way to start the season. Um, you know, I, I've, I've, you know, in past years, I've kind of ripped college football for how, the first few weeks stink and you only have a few games, but this first weekend is good. And then I think next week we get, you know, Ohio state, Oregon. So, I mean, yeah, it's, 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 it should be a, a fun uh, Saturday and Sunday. I always like to try to figure this out before the start of the year. Zach, how many teams you think are capable of winning a national championship over under four and a half? I'll go, I'll go over, but not by much. I'll go, I'll go Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, which I picked in the paper, and I'll probably lose their first game. Wow, you look at you and I. We're on the same page. We're on the same bandwagon hey, with the Sooners. That has recipe cannot, for disaster have, written all over it, buddy. They can recipe look, they for are, disaster. They they're loaded on offense like usual, but they actually can play defense, which is you know, which is something we usually don't see with this team. And you know, 
I mean, I, I don't want to pick Alabama. Like, that's boring. Um, I, I, I guess I would throw Georgia in the mix there, too. And I think Iowa State's pretty good. I, 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 the running back is phenomenal. The coach is good. They play defense. And, you know, I, so I do think it's over, but, you know, you probably are going to end up with a lot of the same, same similar teams you get every year. How many, how many teams would you pick? I would put every team that you included in that mix. I'm going to give you one more because I'm a firm believer in them and I might be invested in them to go and win the SEC this year. I like A&M a lot, bro. I think A&M can absolutely make noise. I think Jimbo Fisher has that program finally humming. I think he's got his sort of players in there. I think A&M can be a sneaky national championship contender. I really do. I just worry about the quarterback position. You know that? I, I like them. I, I think they're going to be good. I, I picked them stick around maybe eight or nine in our preseason poll. I just, I just don't know what to expect from a quarterback. It, it worries me. And I, and I, you know what? I would include Oregon. I think Oregon's good. Oregon's got a terrific defense. They have good skill guys. They have this true freshman, Ty Thompson. I don't, they, I don't think they've said who's going to be the starter, but he's going to play. He's terrific. Everyone thinks he's going to be great. I think Oregon can, I picked them to make the playoffs. I think Oregon's going to be really good. I mean, they might have the number one pick in the draft with, you know, with the defense and Thibodeau. Um, you know, I, I think it might be a little, maybe slightly more wide open than maybe we've seen in past. And I like the sound of that. I think it will make the regular season that much more fun. Before we pick some games against the spread for week one, who do you think would be in a better position to survive a week one loss? Is it Clemson? because of the league that they play in? Or is it Georgia, because they're going to have all these great opportunities for wins, they get into the SEC title game, you lose to Clemson, no big deal. You, you could still get in as a one- or a two-loss team, depending on how it shakes out. Who do you think needs this game more between Clemson and Georgia? Oh, Clemson does, because, I mean, Clemson, Clemson might not, not, especially now that obviously there's no Notre Dame this year for Clemson, they might not get another game against the top, 10 to 15 team. I, I know there are some people who like North Carolina a lot. Who knows? Maybe Miami is better than people think. But I, I don't, I don't see how if Clemson loses this game, maybe if it's a real close game. But I don't, I don't know if Clemson gets in with one loss unless one of these ACC teams is just a whole lot better than we expect. You know, George, like you said, Georgia could lose this game and be fine. They can, you know, they, they, they get to the SEC championship game. Even if maybe they even play Alabama or whoever is close, they can get in. I, I the SEC is just gives them gives them margin for error. I just don't see how Clemson in a you know in, a, in at least what has been a, not a good league the last three years. I just don't see what the win they would be able to hang their hat on and say, "Look who we beat." Let's pick some games against the number. You excited? I'm already down some bucks to you because I don't see the Mets <laughs> winning the National League East. We may have to think about like a double or nothing proposition here with Week One. You like the sound of that? Uh, maybe maybe like Dolphins making the playoffs. How about that? I actually feel good about that, by the way, which is probably the kiss of death for Miami. All right, let's start here. Penn State, Wisconsin. Line is up to five and a half. I think Wisconsin wins this game at home. I have questions, uncertainty about Penn State. A little bit of roster turnover. And I just think in Madison, tough game right out of the gate. I'm playing Wisconsin lane five and a half. It might be a hefty point spread, but I don't think they're losing the game. So I don't want to get cute. I'm taking the Badgers in game one. No, I think Wisconsin wins, but I think this field goal game, I, 
I, I, I'll take Penn State. And look, I, I don't love James Franklin. He's he's he, you know he, he makes these boneheaded decisions in big spots. But I I just don't think he I just, I don't think either team is that good. Number one, and and I think Penn State has enough pieces to keep it close and lose like a twenty four twenty one you know, 2017 game. It'll be an ugly big 10 game. Like they usually are. Um, I, I'll, I'll, I'll pick Penn state. So we, so we get opposite uh, teams here in the, in the, uh, I like it. We're heads up right out of the gate. Let's see if we're heads up on this one. This might be my favorite play, which is a little scary for those of you listening. West Virginia taking on Maryland line open Mountaineers laying four and a half. Now I'm seeing it. West Virginia laying two and a half. I think Maryland's spunky this year, ZB. I'm going to go with the line movement there. I think they win this game outright. Terps plus the two and a half. You just like Tua's brother. That's awesome. No, I'm not even trying to pound that narrative because I think I'm already in bed with the whole family. So I didn't even want to go there, to be honest with you. You know what? I'm not big on West Virginia. I'll I'll go. I'm with you. I I don't think West Virginia is very good. I actually think the brother is a decent player. I think he's going to have a good year. I'll, I'll, I'm with you there. I'll, I'll take that one. I'm going to give you another one that I love. Big 10 game at 3.30. Indiana, Iowa, where I think it's going to be all sorts of ugly. I think it's going to be super low scoring. This line's gone from six to three and a half. I think Indiana keeps that within three and a half. I think that's a field goal game. I wouldn't be shocked if Indiana won outright. Taking the Hoosiers plus three and a half, bud. You know, it, it's funny. People forget how good the Indiana quarterback is. I mean, this guy was this guy was absolutely tremendous. He almost single-handedly beat one at Ohio State last year. I get he has the knee injury, but he's got tremendous weapons. They're going to score a ton of points. I'm not. I, I don't think Iowa can hang with them. You know, I think it's going to be bigger scoring than you think. I, I mean, people. This this kid this kid Phoenix is really good. Now I know he's he had the injury and all, but I'll I'll take Indiana to win this game outright, and I think they're going to win it by ten. I like it. We got a couple of family plays before we get to the nightcap. Georgia Clemson. It's the game of the week. I think it's the hardest game on the board to handicap because I'm a little concerned about what kind of shape Clemson's going to be in going into this one, Zach. But Georgia never, and I mean never, wins these sort of games. I I, I can't believe that they're actually going to do so right out of the gate. I'm putting my faith in Dabo. In Dabo, we trust. I, I don't love this one, ZB, but I'm taking the Tigers laying the three. As I like to say, when in doubt, in a big spot, always pick against Georgia. It's just, you know what? Maybe they come up big and surprise you, but that's fine. It'll be the, it'll be like the one time. And I, I think too many people are, are, are going off of well, look at what JT Daniels did late last year and automatically thinking it's going to happen this year. He doesn't have his, his, his big-time receiver pickings. He's not going to play this year. He tore his ACL. I think, I think Clemson, they've got some big recruits. The quarterback is good. I mean, I don't even, I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name because I'll butcher it, but he's really good. I mean, you saw what he did last year when he stepped in for Florence. I, I think Clemson wins the game by, by a touchdown. I, I think they're pretty good, and the defense is going to be much better than it was last year. They return almost everybody. They have they have studs on that D line, which they really haven't had for a few years. I know George is good. I know they have you know they're always talented. They have great recruiting classes. I don't trust them. I, I don't think the quarterback without that big receiver is going to be as quite as good as he was last year. I guarantee you, we will be on opposite ends of this game. 
because I expect everybody and their mother to bet LSU against Chip Kelly and UCLA. The problem I have with LSU in this game, ZB, they struggle with the spread quarterback. They struggle with that sort of offense. I've seen it over the years. I got a weird feeling about UCLA in this game, my friend. I think UCLA is going to beat LSU, and I know you do not agree. I, I know it, bro. I know it. You're not picking UCLA. There's no chance. I, I just think way too many people are making too much of that first game. Now, I might be wrong, but they got to prove it to me first. I, 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 don't, I don't buy it. I think LSU is, is going to be a, such a motivated team after last year. He made changes on that coaching staff. He has some, he has a he has a really good tandem of running backs. They're they got talent all over the field. The defense will be better. And I you know, prove me wrong, UCLA. I, one game, you know, against a bad opponent is not gonna not gonna make it's not gonna convince me. Final one, buddy. Sunday night, Notre Dame, Florida State. Notre Dame's the top ten team. Florida State's got this infusion, the coaching, the whole deal. I think they're going to play an inspired game in the honor of Bobby Bowden. Now, I don't think they're going to win the game outright. I've seen this line go from like 10 to 7. I think Florida State is going to be in this game. I think this has like four-point Notre Dame win written all over it. I'm taking the Seminoles. Yeah, it's kind of like UCLA. I, I, I got to see it. I got to believe it. Uh, you know, I got to see it to believe it. I, I, don't, I don't buy it. I've seen too many. You know, times over the last few years where they play an absolute egg against decent teams. And I don't think Notre Dame is that good. I, I don't really think they're a true top 10 team. I think they're more like somewhere around 15 to 20. But the running back is terrific. He's going to slice up Florida State. They have, they have Mayer, the tight end, is, is really good. I think the quarterback, Mohamed Cajon, will do enough. I, like he's, He's kind of like a, maybe not a poor man's Ian book, but he's not quite as good, but he'll do enough in this game. You know, I'll go like 34 20 Notre Dame. I, I'm, not, I, I'm not ready to believe it from Florida State quite yet. All right, we got a couple of heads up plays. We got a couple of family plays. Let's hope it's a winning week for everybody involved, Zach Braziller. And before you say goodbye, are you back? Are you suckered back after thumbs down, after your GM gets arrested? The Mets win five out of six. They're only a couple of games back at the Braves. Are you suckered back in for 2021? No. I mean, they, they, no. I mean, they look, give them credit. You know, if you're going to blast them when they're losing, you have to give them credit when they win some games. But, you know, they, they're scraping by these the Nationals and the Marlins. Neither team is any good. And look, the Braves are bound to cool off. I don't think the Braves are that good either. Uh, I, you know, all this stuff going on, I just, there's one thing I, I kind of wanted to say, and you know, your buddy Mike Francesca the other day, you know, and other people who are taking shots at Cohen. And look, I'm not saying Cohen is this exemplary citizen. We all know, you know, what's going on with his, his business, but we, I love the guys who gave the real kinds of pass now ripping Cohen, like like Francesca the other day. No, Francesca who absolutely carried water for the Wilpons and Dolan and, and all these owners because they gave him seats. You know not wasting any time killing the owner. And look, some of these hires have been obviously bad hires. You've got to take take a hit for that. But if you didn't rip the Wilcox, I don't want to hear you ripping Cohen in his first year. You know, when you when you were giving every excuse in the book for the Wilcons who operated this team like they're in Kansas City, don't now go and kill this guy in it hasn't even been a year. Give him at least a shot, you know. I, 
I just that that to me is you know is is a plus. They're a mess. They need to hire Theo Epstein. They need to get you know someone in here who's who really knows what he's doing. It, it's pretty it's clear as day. They need to re- you know really remake this lineup and, and and make some changes here. But I just think it's I just find it comical that guys who you know never said a word about the Wilpons don't waste any time going after. Look at you ending with a little fire. A little bit of a parting shot. I hope it's not a parting shot my way after my picks this weekend. So have a great season. We will catch up soon. And I have a feeling I'm going to be paying a debt to you in about a month. Fair to say? Yeah, well, I would expect so, yeah. Yeah, but you'll be happy. See, this is win-win for Braziller. If the Mets don't win the division, he makes money. If they do win the division, he's happy. I see exactly where you're going with this. Win-win, bro. I see where you're going. Maybe we'll do double enough in your Dolphins playoffs. I'm in. I'm absolutely in on that. Sign me up right now. Right. Sign All me right. up right now. That's Zach Brazilla, the New York Post. Zach, we'll talk soon. From Zach Brazilla to another guy who I think will be making some plays over the course of this weekend. I'm curious how much college football will be a part of the card. Let's welcome in Jeff Money. What's up, pal? What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper picks. This I got two of them. It's gonna be just for for Friday the eighth and for Saturday the ninth. All right, for Friday, tomorrow the eighth, I got a major league baseball game. I'm gonna go with the Seattle Mariners minus the one twenty over the D backs would be Anderson versus Bumgarner. Anderson is one and one with a two point ninety five ERA his last three outings. Bumgarner one and two with a four point seventy four ERA his last three outings. So for Friday the eighth, I'm gonna go with the Seattle Mariners minus the one twenty. For Saturday, we're gonna go with the college football action. I got two games. The first game I'm gonna go with number one sixty, Kansas State minus the three, and number one ninety one, Oregon State plus the seven. All right, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. Jeff Money going with Kansas State lane the three against Stanford. Full disclosure, I would not go anywhere near that game. That is a complete stay away for me. So Jeff Money is going to be on Kansas State. I'll root for a winner there. I got no dog in the fight. Go Kansas State. And he's got Oregon State in the second game. See, I wanted to pick the big boy games because I know I'm going to be watching the big boy games. So I said the hell with it. I'm picking the big boy games. And I got to get a sense and a feel for all these college football teams. I'm not there yet. I will be in a couple of weeks and it means I might take a bath first couple of weeks, but we're going down swinging. It's the first weekend of college football. Do you think we're sitting some plays out? Get out of here. What is this, amateur hour? We're going in guns and blazing, for better or worse. We're coming off basically paying for a round of golf, not hitting any balls at the range, or going right to the number one tee. Whatever happens, happens. We're gripping and ripping, baby. We're gripping and ripping. Fellas, outstanding job. We're back Sunday night. Very excited this week. We got a bunch of new wrinkles that we're going to unveil over the course of the week for our football season. Sunday, we're going to list out the teams closest to a title out of the New York locals. Get ready for that. That's coming your way Sunday night. We will have our comprehensive NFL preview show on Tuesday. And then Thursday, we're going to make picks. Five super contest style against the spread. We may have a surprise or two thrown in as far as that goes. And we are going to be on the road week two. I know I will be rocking and rolling. This will be before the game. Now, I don't know if we're going to do the pod there or not. We'll we'll figure that out. The details are kind of TBD, but I know this. Giants-Washington football team golfed in 
out in Red Bank, New Jersey. It's a golf simulator. It's a bar. It's a BYOB type of bar. And I'm going to be there hanging pregame, do a little Q&A at halftime. I'll hit some shots. I'm doing all my golf before the game starts. I'll hit golf balls like crazy. Game starts, I dial in. I'm watching a game, shooting the shit with you guys. But that's going to be our big event in a couple weeks. I'm looking forward to that. So I wanted to make sure we get that in there. And I hope everybody enjoys this last unofficial weekend of summer. We come back. We hit the ground running, baby. Football season. Oh, baby. What a time to be alive. JJ out. Enjoy it. Be good, everybody.